The Wolf and Bull podcast was prepared, conducted, and hosted by the Wolf and Bull team in their personal capacity. This podcast is for expressive listening entertainment, and any views, ideas, or opinions may or may not extend past the boundaries of this podcast. Conversations or specific comments on behalf of the hosts and guests are for entertainment purposes only. Due to language and potentially offensive topics, listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Wolf and Bull Podcast. I'm your host, The Wolf. And additionally, I also have my co-host, The Bull. The Bull Bull is here. And yet again, we have a wonderfully special episode for our audience. Joining us today are two special guests, Dave Porter, partner and executive recruiter from Orion Solutions, and Edward Klobuchar, current city manager of Hazel Park in Michigan. Welcome to the Wolf and Bull Podcast, gentlemen. Thank you for having me here. Awesome, awesome. Now, just a quick reminder for our audience, if you like what you hear and you see, uh, you can find all of our content and follow it on Instagram. Additionally, a subscription on YouTube would be greatly appreciated. And finally, a five-star review on all the major listening platforms would also be much obliged. And even if now, you don't like what you see, comment. Comment, exactly. Comment. comment. Leave your opinions, your thoughts, any of that would be greatly appreciated. Now, before we jump into the monologue, Dave, Ed, I'd love for our audience to know a little bit about our guests. Could you, you know, each provide a brief background on yourselves and anything about yourself that you think your audi- our audience would like to know? You know what? I'll, I'll go first. My name is Ed Klobuchar. I'm the city manager in Hazel Park. Uh, first of all, I have to do the disclaimer. Anything said today are clearly my opinions and my opinions alone and do not reflect official policy of the city of Hazel Park. That out of the way, I've been city manager for about 20 years. Prior to that, I was a psychotherapist, a deputy sheriff, uh, and I taught a class called Introduction to Future Studies in uh, the late 1990s at Madonna University. And I've always been interested in the future and uh, the benefits that we could realize by utilizing advances in technology to make life better for the average human. So that's where I'm coming from. Very good. That's good. Well, uh, my name's Dave Porter. Whatever I say does represent the views. Of the city of <laughs> Thank you, Dave. All right. <laughs> so I'll get Ed and the city in trouble here. Uh, no, um, my background um, is in freight, transportation. Uh, did that for, for 30 years. Went to school with the Bull, Western Michigan University. Uh, Go, Broncos. Go Broncos. Go Broncos. Uh, MBA, uh, University of Redlands. Uh, I've been in trucking different forms of transportation, uh, currently in uh, executive recruiting uh, in the logistics space. And I am just a, a reader and listener of podcasts and, and watcher of YouTube videos about you know future thinking. I really enjoy that space. Awesome. Very awesome. Cool. Well, we appreciate having both of you on the show. I think it's going to be a really good conversation. Great. Yeah, I got well, a, I got a feeling should... this subject, Wolf, is is yeah. kind of tailor made for three um, tail end of the boomer generation. 
because yeah. uh, you know we we kind of want to live forever, and, and you know yeah. we've already taken over the world in one aspect, so we just want to kind of continue that, right? That's fair. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did. I should probably make it aware to our audience. I should probably say that I I am skeptical of some of these things. Uh, I would identify as being a humanist, not a transhumanist. So I I have my apprehensions in relation to the discussion we'll be talking about today. I know that I'm probably in the minority, so that's. <laughs> Totally fine with me, uh, but well, we'll what, what is your position? You. We'll convert you. You're going to convert me? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's because, you know, you can be a humanist <laughs> and still believe in the fact that the the human process or adventure through time changes significantly as, as we change technologies and learn more about what it means to be human, but it, what it means to extend that human, you know, I don't know, nature. Yeah, I think it, it, it's, it's base. We don't lose our humanism it's just amplified through technology at our core mm. we are these beings that evolved over millions of years and now we're just going to have all kinds of great tools and i think as as boomers it's going to be super interesting because a, a lot of boomers don't like this stuff at all in fact mm. wolf i'm surprised you're not the one that's jumping all over this stuff uh, to me yeah. it's not if it's when that's oh, the same. only argument. Yeah. I don't think you can argue that this stuff's never going to happen. We can argue no. whether it's going to be 2029, 20, 2045, or 2100, but it's going to happen. I'm mm-hmm. convinced of that. Well, I, I think I, there's I, a go, go ahead, Ed. No, I think Dave is right. This it's a that it's happening is a foregone conclusion. It's only a matter of when. And I think yeah. everybody thinks it's beneficial to have a longer health span, live longer, feel healthier, uh, get more out of life. And these emerging technologies have the chance to actually make some of those things happen. So and we're starting to see real tangible results from it just recently. So, like I said, I think I, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised and converted. You you may not like the fact that us old guys are going to be around a little bit longer than you anticipated. But, you know... Uh, I think that might well, make everything better. Well, so we'll, we'll yeah, we'll get to it in a second. Uh, yeah. So we'll jump into the monologue really quick. I, I want to make it very clear. I'm not against technological advancements. Like I, I'm very much on board with it. I just don't trust the entities pushing them. That's where I'm coming from. I'm very skeptical. I think that there's going to be there's a dark side here waiting desire. for us, right? That's, I that's think we would all desire. we would all agree with that. There's a mm-hmm. potential. And that's what I'm apprehensive about. So is Darth I mean, Vader hell, good? If, is Darth Vader bad? Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> depends I mean, on the hell, movie. Can, that's right. Yeah, yeah exactly. It depends on, are you watching Terminator, iRobot, <laughs> or what are you watching? <laughs> Wally, you know, yeah. Uh, so that's, that's kind of where I'm at. But um, we'll, we'll see. But let's go ahead and jump to the monologue. I'll give our listeners a quick kind of, I don't know, background of where I think that I'm coming from on this. Um, and plus, it'll give us some nice uh, futuristic ambience as well. 400 years from now, mankind is strung across a region of interstellar space inherited from an ancient civilization discovered on Mars. The colonies are linked together by the occasional sublight colony ship voyages and hyperspatial data casting. Human consciousness is digitally freighted between the stars and downloaded into bodies as a matter of course. As much as that sounds like an incredible forecast of the future, it's merely an equally incredible book synopsis of Altered Carbon a wonderful science fiction novel written by Richard K. Morgan and fumbled by Netflix Studios, unfortunately. 
Humanity tends to forecast what the future will be, sometimes with striking accuracy. Pop culture predictions from The Simpsons and Back to the Future have eerily striking accuracy. On the contrary, the speculative future and mostly hyperbolic Nostradamus-like predictions are a dime a dozen, popularized for the sake of your dollar and sometimes your voting preference. What happens, though, when our bodies escape the natural barriers imposed by them at birth? Strengthened by technology-enhanced bones, muscles, and brains. Per stem cell research, we've already eclipsed many mortal barriers once thought to be impossible, and it's likely that we'll continue our eclipsing in the name of science. Would it be possible to live forever? The real question that I personally have is not so much about how technology will eventually meld with humankind, but more to do with what will happen when it will. For those who haven't read or seen it, Altered Carbon, Carbon artfully explores the erasure of its protagonist's humanity as he progresses forwards into his dystopian future, living another quote-unquote life as one ends. Would our personal experience be that much different? In a time when it seems as if society has increasingly isolated itself, would a transition into a cyber-based or technologically extended reality present much of a difference? Or would it merely divide us further into the void created by our social betters? Today, we'll discuss longevity escape velocity and how humanities eventually merge with technology that could impact all of us. Very well done. I like Thank that you. very much. Very well done. I, well, I do see good. the dark side, though. I see the dark yeah, side coming out of you there. It's hard not to. A little I, bit, yeah. I mean, uh, it's, uh, it's hard to not see it sometimes, but I'm just a You know, I, I think, <laughs> Ed or Dave, you said it a moment ago. These things are, there's an inevitability here to this prospect and I, I i believe the real debate is is around is there a genetic ceiling to the possibility of of you know how many years on this planet we have is there or is is that something we can punch through but if you look at historically for instance uh, the at the time of the roman empire the average lifespan was about 20 years old right at the turn of last century the average lifespan was about 40 years old. It's about 80 now, you know, for the Western civilization, at least. And these things, I mean, you can, you can talk about infant mortality and how that's, you know, uh, an aspect of looking at the, the actuarial, actuarial tables on something like that. But the reality is, is even the idea of lowering infant mortality is a technological advancement. It's a medical advancement. So, that's just one of a whole litany of things that have happened since these ages have been expanding. And they're going to continue to. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have digitalized the genome. That, right. to me, was like the first. I never thought they would even do it. I remember. But what was when did they start that? 96 or something like that? 99, something like right. And it took them a long time. And now you can send something away and get that done for yourself. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And the cost, is, bucks. Yeah, yeah. the cost has gone down <laughs> dramatically. It used to be, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to sequence a genome. Now, like Dave said, a couple hundred bucks. So one good thing about that is it does appear that as these technologies become more prevalent, the price comes down, making them more accessible to everybody else. So hopefully that's a trend that continues. And, yeah. and think about what we are just hopefully winding down now through this COVID situation and I don't want to get into a debate on whether vaccines are good or not, but the reality is in the U.S., through this advanced CRISPR technology, we have the 
we had the vaccine developed before the first case was known in the U.S. Now, it took them a while to go through testing and get it out there and manufactured at scale. But think about that. I think it was, um, was it the, 1918, was that the Spanish flu? Spanish or, flu, yeah. It wiped out 50 million people, right? Mm -hmm. and, and and we got this thing, you know, a lot of controversy and, you know, and, and, and you can debate. That's a different podcast entirely. And so forth. <laughs> but the reality is we came up with the cure in a month, in a you, you, month. You know what, Dave? You called it a vaccine. And I think that's actually going to stop being called that in the not too distant future. Because if you look at the uh, technology behind the manufacturer of the mRNA vaccine, it's a program. It's mm -hmm. an, it's a, it's a distribution of code into our biologic system. That is different than all other vaccines previously. Right. We can debate the, you know, efficacy of it and whether it should have happened when it did and all that other bullshit doesn't matter. But yeah. the fact is, is I, I think that science in general, I hate using that word ubiquitously, but I, I think science in general and the movement toward longevity is looking at each of us as a biologic form of data. That's what we That's are now. And so That's we right. can change that data with alterations to our program. And yeah. that's where we these are, things are going. Well said. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. We're yeah. O's and ones now, right? And we <laughs> exactly. saw the dramatic, and you've seen these, you know, exponential growth tables. Uh, Ray Kurzweil has popularized it, you know, the computing power of a thousand dollar computer. And it's like this hockey yeah. stick, right? And next year, very interestingly, in terms of computing power, a thousand dollar computer will equal in power, processing power, a human mind. And then in about 20 years after that, one $1,000 computer will equal the processing power of all human minds combined, right? But we're just seeing that, around that. We're, we're seeing mm. that with cell phones. I've got more computing mm -hmm. power in my iPhone than NASA had when they launched Apollo 11 and went to the moon. So we're, yeah. we're seeing that. And these new mRNA, mRNA vaccines that's another manifestation of that. I was just watching the podcast yesterday, and they were talking about how they think they're going to be able to use this technology to have a much better treatment for all different types of cancer within the next decade because they can mm -hmm. utilize this programming capability to tailor medicine for specific individuals. That's you know, kind of amazing. You stuff. know what, Ed? Ed, the challenge there, though, that I see is that, I mean, it, it, three of us in this on this podcast remember MS-DOS, right? Right. I do. Right. I remember trying to code with that stuff when I was at university and literally, and Dave, you remember, I was like the only person I knew that had a dummy terminal in my room in one of those stupid Chris phones. Chris was on the, the I, bleeding I, edge of, he's the only dude in the dorm with his own computer. Uh, what was that, and, you know, what was that one movie with Matthew Broderick? Was that you? Yeah. Was that you? Uh, the, when you hacked into the nuclear code of the United States in the 80s? Oh, I told you, never, never talk Broderick. about that in public, <laughs> Cam. Never. <laughs> No, but, right. but uh, I mean, the, the point is, is this, this stuff is as much as I love to think of us all as technologically advanced and we're certainly moving in tremendous directions and the, the hockey stick, stick curve that you talked about is there and all that. We're still don't understand the complexities that are coming our way. We're still in MS-DOS time. We haven't right. figured out Windows, whatever, and in all the, and on top of that, just using that as an analogy, we also know that there are, there's a dark side out there. 
that yeah. there's a million bad players for whatever reason, whatever. <clears throat> you know, I don't even understand why hackers do things for the most part, but it's almost all economic. Sure. I'm sure. And yeah. that's that's going to be part of this growth process. So as much as I'd like to think there's this this curve straight up into immortality. It does never happen. It just not, does not going to happen that way. There's yeah. going to be all kinds of fits and starts, and there's going to be some dark sides to this. Yeah. Well, you well, know, my for only our listeners, point with the uh, oh, I'm sorry, just one. Quick no, go point. ahead. No, go ahead. Go my, ahead. my only point with the uh, processing power, I think it's a good framework to think about where we're starting to go with kind of the digitization of biology and and the what we're going to continue to see with all over the economy all over our world all over our experience from artificial meats you know i think that in the future we'll look back at the idea that we raised and killed these animals <laughs> to have meat is like we were like freaking cavemen you know and, and the way we treated those animals that's just not going to happen we're just going to grow meat and and mm. uh, i think people we've kind of been the same we've had a lot of progress over the last uh you know 20 30 40 years but uh, if you think about between, between the year 2000 and 2050, the change we're going to see compared to the change that we saw between, say, 1600 and 1650, it's, it's huge. you know, before, you know, your the parents would basically have the same life as the kids. And we are programmed to think linearly, like that's just the way it's going to continue to go. Just a wee bit of progress. We'll have a sharper stick, you know, by the time we pass on. But... We're living in an exponential world. People can't get their heads around that, and certainly our government can't, and that's causing all kinds of problems. But that, I, I, so I'm sorry, Wolf, but please go. No, ahead. it's it's totally fine. And honestly, you know, Dave, I would I would 100% agree with you on all that. Uh, I think that a lot of the the indicators that have come with technology, I mean, quality of life obviously is really hard to measure, but over the last 500, 600 years, it has gone way up. I mean, we can talk about you know ownership of things in relation to like TV and technology. I mean, obviously the benefits for things getting more advanced to argue against it would be silly. And I don't think that's the position that I hold. I think the position that I'm kind of coming from is I just don't trust the powers that be to take these things responsibly. Um, I mean, be it from whatever administration is in office, left, right, center, doesn't matter, or Taco Bell. Like, I, I don't think that these companies or these organizations have the innate ethical capacity to separate the benefit of technological integration for humanity, the, uh, and I'll get into the definitional for our listeners, the definition of longevity, escape velocity, um, all that, I don't think they're able to separate themselves from the benefit as opposed to the benefit that only seeds to them. That's where so, I so the from. abuse of this is what you're what you're focused on, and and yeah. you know I, I I think Taco Bell's lost its chance to be the head corporation like it was in Blade Runner, but having or said idiocracy. that, there will be something right. <laughs> Nor will they be a sponsor of this show after this discussion. <laughs> right. That's in, exactly right. In, uh, in Demolition Man, all restaurants are Taco Bell. Yeah, so, yeah. exactly. Well, my, my favorite scene is uh, is from the movie Idiocracy with Luke Wilson, where like <laughs> this lady is trying to get food for her children, and eventually, I think it was Carl Jr. takes uh, responsibility and ownership of her children, <laughs> which yeah. I think is hilarious. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. Uh, but for our listeners, longevity escape velocity was originally coined by, by this is a word, it's a big word, uh, biogerontologist Aubrey D. Gray in a 2000 paper, which was the concept of longevity escape velocity. 
velocity. And that has been around since the 1970s. Uh, I think you, uh, uh, Dave, I think you mentioned uh, Robert Anton. Or no, you mentioned Ray Kurzweil. Robert yeah. Anton Wilson's essay, Next Stop Immortality, is where longe longevity escape velocity comes from. It's also referred to as actuarial escape velocity, and it's a hypothetical situation when one's remaining life expectancy, not life expectancy at birth, um, is extended longer than the time that is passing. So per that definition, once uh, LEV is imposed or maintained upon someone, technological advances would increase people's remaining life expectancy more than one more than the year that just went by when it came to research. So. It's it's you know, very interesting to me. You know, a kind of a simple way to think about that, uh, just for lesser of purposes, is currently or within the last couple of years, the the technology advancements, medically primarily, but overall in general, for every in about a ten year period of time, uh, our lifespans increased on average two and a half years. Okay, mm -hmm. so the the whole idea of this LEV or what was it called? The Methuselian, Methuselian, I can never pronounce this correctly, but Methusian? the singularity for the Methuselian singularity or something like that. I, somebody <laughs> else can pronounce it better than me, but <laughs> that, that is when this advancement doesn't take 10 years anymore. It takes one to increase your lifespan by a year or more because, or yep. more because then it never catches up. Right. right. So you're the, the, the technologies advance at a rate faster than your life does. So yeah. that means your expansion of life continues. And I, I think the baseline thought that I have on this, and we can debate this because I, I look at aging and I have always looked at this way, even before looking into this and everything else. I, maybe it's my old Omni days at the university reading that darn magazine before it can discover. But I've always looked at aging as, as, um, kind of the the ultimate disease right it's what it takes us all out and, and and i think that attitude is very important for the future people need to look at aging as the ultimate disease because it's what is responsible for so many other maladies that come along as we you know live our lifespan the older we get the more susceptible we come to everything from cancer <laughs> heart disease uh you know every, there's so many things that happen when we get older if we were mm -hmm. to be able to cure aging we would have the side benefit of being a or as i should say treat aging we would have the side benefit of a dramatic reduction in a lot of those other killers so and that's it have you, looking uh, at it as a disease yeah i don't know if you've read any uh david sinclair's stuff uh he has absolutely a, i think it's called lifespan um so it's funny, you look at this guy, I think David Sinclair is like 52 right now. He looks like he's 38 years old, um, as opposed to Aubrey de Grey, who looks like Methuselah. <laughs> um, but it's very interesting. And there's some brilliant physicists that don't seem to have an agenda um, or even necessarily a particular profit motive that... Um, that discuss this stuff and mm -hmm. there's some really compelling um experiments that have been done granted it's on mice and, and 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 nematodes and things like this that would indicate that you know th that it is certainly possible for life forms to achieve this now we're not there with humans yet but for us the trick is 
you know, I'm I'm a little bit jealous of my grandson, for example, because I think he'll be able to get full benefit of this mm -hmm. stuff. For us, we'll probably be lucky to hold it 70, you know, if we could get there, right? You know, well, you know well, that's, go ahead, Ed. You were mentioning David Sinclair and talking about him, and his book is great. I recommend that to anybody who's uh, watching or listening to the podcast to get that book. But the cool thing with that is they recently did the regeneration of the eye, and yeah. it, that itself yeah, is proof in a mouse, and that is proof of concept that this actually can be done. So we've actually seen it. It's not theoretical. Certainly, right, it's a mouse. Thank God for the mouse and uh, all those, uh, you know, rodents who have made those sacrifices <laughs> on our behalf over over time. But the proof of concept is there. It's actually been done. So we know it's possible. Now it's just mm -hmm. what's the right technology and how do we get it right to do that for humans? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's kind of amazing stuff. And I think the I think the real debate is, uh, OK, if, if you're going to live to 200 years old, are you going to look and feel like you're 200 years old or are you going to look and you feel like you're that's 30 true. years old? That's the, that's the real issue. And there's, there's as much or even more technology kind of looking at, it's, it's almost like a, it's taking a two prong approach. It's the, the science is going after repair in one aspect. So all these things that have already happened to us as human beings need to be repaired in some way, shape or form. And then the second is rejuvenation like you talked about with the eye right gene therapy of some kind replacement in the genome of uh bad sequences and dna things like that and and a whole lot of other stuff rejuvenation processes because and you can look to the animal world for that as well i mean a salamander cut off its tail and it's going to grow back right so why is that so let's look into why that is so there's something going on there in its genetic ability that allows it to regenerate so if it can yeah. be done like that, why can't it be done for an organism as a whole? And that's yeah. where we're headed. Well, I think I, I the think... other interesting aspect of this is just monitoring and, and maintenance. Uh, and I also think just like yeah. we'll look back uh, in time and think that we were cavemen for the way that we ate and, and treated animals, the idea that Oh, I had a heart attack and I had no idea that I was in this kind of physical condition and I die. It just complete surprise, you know, um, that is also going to be a relic of the past as well, because we will have within our veins roaming around nanobots, uh, monitoring and repairing things at all times, reporting out what we need to do, actions that need to be taken. Now, it may be that humankind does not have the willpower, because what is it, 90% of all people are obese or overweight right now. So they choose not to do things that they know are good for them anyways. You don't need a nanobot to tell you that, that you shouldn't weigh 300 pounds. But we're going to have much better monitoring of our current state and internal repairing real time that'll solve a lot of these issues. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you go back to Kurzweil's book, uh, you know, The Singularity is Near, he outlined how you could use nanotechnology to actually be in your bloodstream. And if, God forbid, you had a heart attack or your heart stopped, uh, those uh, nanomites or nano nano. Uh, robots could actually oxygenate your blood until you could be repaired so yeah. i mean these things well, are from a medical these things are being yeah. developed right now they're working yeah on that, from a actually. medical perspective there this is the benefits are like unprecedented medically so i like having like family in the medical industry i totally understand how this would make not only their jobs incredibly easier but people's lifespans longer and the way they interact with each other different to a degree uh you know the bull the bull <laughs> bull you mentioned uh you mentioned two two 
benefits, right? The rejuvenation, um, and then the uh, what was the other one? I was talking about repair and rejuvenation. Repair and rejuvenation. Yeah, two sides. I would say, I would say there's a three and a four benefit wise that no one wants to talk about because it makes this entire conversation kind of unethical. Uh, One, I think it's evolution. I think this is humans moving from humans into something else um, that we have uh, speculative observations on, but not outside of what we can do with mice and with that. Um, nothing with a human quite yet. And there obviously will be. And then thirdly, I think is uh, eventually the ultimate uh, transition in this area, which comes to the invasion of people's (laughs) personal autonomy, which is where I'm coming from. I think that if we were to keep this completely medical, great, let's do it. Like if we can keep it purely medical, great, let's do it. But things like Neuralink, uh, as much as I love Elon Musk, Daddy Musky, uh, I I really have a problem with that particular thing because I just don't think people will even consider the unethical nature of it. I just don't. I think they'll blow See, right by it. There, There's obviously privacy issues amongst any new technology that comes I mean, out. Privacy, you can, autonomy issues. Autonomy, privacy, all that kind of stuff. You can talk about AI, you can talk about nanotechnology, you can talk about all this, all the medical stuff that comes about and is mm-hmm. is mandated instead of encouraged or vice versa. There's you, you could go off in a million different directions on this. What ends up kind of the bottom line for me is is kind of your decision on where your priorities lie, where your risk tolerance is, what is your end goal? If 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 you're nearly sixty which is me and, and you, you don't mind the idea of 150, then you're like, well, okay, do I care about the nanobites in my blood? Uh, not really well, because that depends if, they're on if gonna, they're your nanobites, excuse me. That depends on if you, they're your nanobites. Same with Neuralink. Is that ownership of that particular device yours? Or are you owned now by quote unquote Taco Bell? Well, the question is, I mean, is <laughs> what is, what is the advantage for me versus the disadvantage? That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So it's, well, a, it's, you the, have a smartphone. I do. Yeah, I know you do. So (laughs) imagine um, particularly a high schooler or a college student that did not have a smartphone. Mm -hmm. You almost literally would not have a social life. You would not be able to, you know, so we have surrendered our social lives. And, you know, every time you download an app, you accept, you know, whatever, 20 pages, you're giving up all your rights. You know, that's just the way it goes. And they and they can do whatever they want, more or less. just and I believe it will be the same way with being jacked into the cloud. If if you can choose not to do it, you can choose not. No one has to have a cell phone, but you won't have a social life. And if you choose not to augment your brain power with the collective information that that that's out there, you'll be virtually unemployable for interesting jobs. You'll be like um, a dog. See, that's not choice. You'll then. be like a dog compared to you know. You just won't even be able to communicate. You'll be like at a different level. You know. Well, so see, this is like, yeah. So I think this that's is a this is where this is the problem that I have with it then because that's not really a choice. That's like the red or blue pill question, right? Without the matrix being an exit. Like you take right. the red or the blue pill, you're still taking the pool pill that's presented to you from the party that's presenting it to you. So mm-hmm. I guess my whole thing is it's like. I see that you're 100% correct. It, it, I see the powers of be to say, okay, well, our president now has a neural link. Our, all of our politicians have neural links. Every single citizen that's supposedly a citizen in the United States now has neural links. They don't really need to be born here to be citizens. They just need to get a neural link. And then that's a total invasion of, in my personal perspective, ethics. 
just across the board because we can talk about the phone the phone is still a choice because yeah actually you can still make friends without a phone you might not have as interesting as a social life but you can still talk to people you can still be seen as a human but with this type of stuff this is i see this as the quote-unquote social specials becoming more specialer and then saying well we don't want people to be a part of our special group so we're going to be the specials and they'll be the unspecials and then they're not going to have the same benefits they're not going to have the same wealth all that jazz so they already did it with the last two years Already. So 100% Wolf, did it. I think you're 100% right. So are you, Dave? So the question yeah. is, how do we solve this problem and bridge this Good gap? And we make sure that this technology is working for us and it is enhancing our autonomy and our ability to make mm-hmm. choices and our ability to live the lives that we want as long as we want the way we want, as opposed yeah. to being you know, enslaved by the technology. And we have to look at that. And, and as we progress in the future, what is the solution? Maybe one thing might be a reform that we own our own data. Because right now, mm-hmm. Dave's right. If you got this cell phone, this cell phone is collecting data on you uh, all the time. The algorithms are uh, choosing for us what we get to see in our feeds and things like that uh, through social media. So, you know, if we could, the one reform, I think, if we could own our own data, that would be helpful. And we could take that principle yeah. and translate that through almost all of these other technologies because we all want the technologies to enhance our ability to have more autonomy and be who we want to be as long as we can be that and be better than who we are now. But right now, and, and there's truth to what you say, but Dave Porter is dead on right when he says, if you aren't connected to these things and you don't have access to it, you will fall behind. So we need to ensure, I'm sorry, go ahead. Don't don't we see that as negative though? I mean, because that's that I think it's a pipe a, dream, actually. Yeah, yeah. The, part well, of that is because how, how is do you? A great idea, but I, don't think it's I can tell you tomorrow that you own your own data, yeah, but you don't. You it? I mean, the insurance companies, you know, you have you have life insurance, health insurance, all that kind of stuff, and and they evaluate your risk without knowing all your data. They get a few vital signs. They take some blood samples, et cetera, and they go know a little bit about you. They don't know who you are. They don't know your life experience, et cetera. So you own what your life has been. But the actuaries have a very solid guess on who you really are because they have a collected collection of data over historical people that are similar enough to you to decide. So I agree with you that owning your own data is a big part of it. But I think it's, when I say a pipe dream, that's probably the wrong way to put it. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's, I think there's Oz behind the curtain is what it there is. Mm -hmm. And, and they're giving you a curtain to make you feel better. And And, that's the dark side. I, I truly believe there's plenty of that that goes on because ultimately people in power, they don't want to be out of power. They want to stay in power. They want to grow their power. They want to use their power for the betterment of their small circle. I don't begrudge them that. That's kind of the way humans have always been. The question again comes down to what is my need? What? How do I evaluate wanting to live longer versus being a slave to the technologies that got me there? That's the, right. that's what it comes down to. I, I think it's a tool. Uh, it's simply a tool that can be used or abused just like this. You can use this to subscribe to, let me pick two extremes, um, right wing <laughs> crazy uh, social media or left wing socialist uh, communist or, or whatever and that forms your your paradigm or mm-hmm. pornography or mm-hmm. something that's really intelligent right which also yeah. forms so, your paradigm so all of it yeah, yeah. yeah. and so there's going to be competing clouds to jack yourself into or maybe you you yourself can kind of go back and forth just like a radio station and and based on and however that works I'm not exactly sure but there's not going to be one monolithic cloud. 
And I don't believe it will be controlled by the government because the government, whether it's Amazon uh, selling stuff for years online because the government had no idea this was coming, had no idea how to tax them, and finally they figured it out, oh boy, we better tax this stuff because all the retail, we're not getting those taxes anymore. Or who's developing spacecraft now? The well, government I mean, doesn't do it anymore. It's yeah. all private enterprise. Private enterprise is going to do this, not the government. Well, yeah, but we could, say, we could say that that's, yeah, we could, exactly. We could say that the same, because, th I mean, with the last two years, not to get too preachy, it, it became a, a, a almost a pseudo-medical form of government. Like, if I don't agree with what everyone says spe speculatively about something that we haven't been able to test, which now, surprise, surprise, turns out, oops, we were wrong. Um, if I don't agree with that, then I can't travel. I'm not seen as a citizen. I don't have the same benefits. Same thing will happen with this. I, like, I, I honestly, humanity is not so complex that we can't predict and forecast this type of stuff. And I think, unfortunately, the benefits are really alluring. Like, I am right there with you. It'd be super cool to be able to have Neuralink in my brain, do this, and be like, okay, what is the definition of this? Or where can I look up this? Or how do I get here without having to look at my phone? Like, it'd be fantastic. With that being said, I just don't trust the entities. I simply don't. I won't. Even if they tell me that, oh, it tastes like, this is this is Leyden and Jameson, and it's Leyden and Middleton whiskey, and it tastes like dandelions and flowers. I would say no. No, thank you. Because I already saw, we already saw what happened with a unilateral move in one direction without any apprehension at all. I mean, everyone thought that that was the answer. And this seems like it's the same type of thing, except the catch is Neuralink's right capability. It says, okay, well, yeah, we'll be able to fix all the stuff in your brain, but also we're going to be able to hack into you and make sure that you vote the right way and agree with the same things that we agree with and basically revolutionize your entire personality. I mean, There's that's gonna literally have to be what they're going to do. A, a lot of education, obviously, around this. Oh, 100%. You know, the example that you give is like, well, uh, yeah, we developed this new. Um, fixed to a problem rather quickly. Because of that, people, again, people aren't used to exponential solutions. They're thinking mm -hmm. linearly, before it's always taken 10 years, how can this one be ready in a month? I'm not gonna trust this. And at the same time, you have an uneducated government that says, hey, um, this is great, just take it, even if you already had the virus, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. and, and so and there is all kinds of problems with that and plenty of reason for distrust, a real cluster. And that's because we're an inflection point where and, and, and people don't know how to deal with the advancing technology just yet. That's the problem. So we need education. And I'm really, really worried about our government handling this properly because you've got these people that are in Congress till they can not even walk anymore. They're totally out of it, man. They don't know anything about this stuff, but they're making decisions for us on how it's going to be handled and managed. Well, they'll be they'll be first adopters. So that's that's kind of where I'm coming from. It's like I don't we're basically so. yeah. maybe well, maybe not them. It, maybe I mean I know a lot of legislators. I don't know if they'll be first adopters. Okay, they're uh, again. I, unfortunately, I share all of your concerns about their inability to properly uh, manage these things because so many of them don't really know and understand how the technology works. So they're we're trusting them to regulate it. Yeah, that's a concern, a totally valid concern. But one of the ways I think we can help that process along is through podcasts like this where people are actually talking about these things and it gives everybody a chance to see what are the second or third order things that could happen on down the line if we implement this technology. So this debate that we're having here right now today helps itself to clarify those issues and make everybody more aware of it. And hopefully maybe when these technologies come, we're a little bit smarter about how yeah. we utilize them. Yeah, yeah no, good point. I, I, yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that if it's if if we can do it in such a way where there's no downsides, 
<laughs> Never. Um, I'm on board. I'm on board. But I, it's, it's just, I just don't, uh, darn it, Jonesy. Uh, darn Jonesy screaming in the background. Um, I, I just don't see that happening. I, and, and the only reason I say that is because, like, as much as I love, you know, like I said earlier, Daddy Musk coming in saying he doesn't want advertisements to come through. He wants this to be purely altruistic. Like, he think this is a benefit. I just see companies like, uh, like any basic company coming in and just saying, well, yeah, we're not going to listen to you. And then, you know, entities like China and entities that don't care about human rights coming in, abusing it, copying it, stealing it, and, and imposing it on the people that live within their countries. You know what? Though? That's the danger. The, it's just dangerous. The truth is, is human beings have always been able to take any discovery uh, and create its best and create its worst. Absolutely. Uh, all you have to do is look at Alfred Nobel and, and have an indicator of what can happen when you decide to create dynamite, right? So, yeah. and the and and throughout our history, there have been advancements to some degree in 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 the way we decide to be civilized. And there's always been outlier groups that decided they don't want to participate. I mean, you can you can go back to you know the Amish land in Pennsylvania and and, and watch some of that happen in today's society. You can you can talk about how people have immigrated from you know, old world Europe to the United States specifically because they changed their point of view on certain things and those people didn't want to participate. So they they said, I'm out. So right. I think the option is always going to be there. Yep. But today's point earlier, the option is there, but it changes what you will be looking at in the future as your humanity, what that means to you or the group that you're in. Or so, your rights. It, well, the, the rights part of it, I mean, if, if you rolled back 50 years and looked at some of the things we were determined were human rights in the United States, it's totally changed. We've given up. Sure. We talked earlier about privacy. We've literally given that completely up. I mean, anybody, anybody that believes there aren't databases out there with literally everything we've said and done. And I mean, all you have to do is, and it's been talked about a million times, but notice that next time you pick up your phone, whatever you were talking about five minutes ago, there's an ad for. Well, <laughs> right. So, Absolutely. So I guess, you know. yeah. And this is, this is kind of where I come back to my situation because it's like, so say for example, Neuralink gets imposed in your brain. We have the ability to revolutionize your brain, revolutionize how you think, revolutionize how you can interact with individuals, your personality, your dexterity, all that stuff. Uh, how about your mental capacity? How about the ability for you to make decisions? Well, that introduces a very unethical quandary of uh, age discrepancy that we don't obviously want to go down as a, as, as, as a society, as we shouldn't. With that being said, Neuralink solves a problem. I see this, like, it, it's, it's, it's almost like one of those things that it's such a good idea, it's such a fabulous idea that has so many benefits, but the, the, the negatives associated will require a rewrite of everything. Like, I think it would require a rewrite of, like, laws. It would require a rewrite of uh, the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, all of that jazz, because we're introducing a metric that wasn't previously known, and we don't know what the measure of that metrics would be in the future. We can just speculate. That's kind of, it's just a lot. The thing will be, though, again, it is a tool, and mm -hmm. just about everybody has a computer now, whether it's a smartphone or, or some type of thing. Some people do amazing things. They produce podcasts, they uh, do research, they self-educate, they learn to play an instrument, any mm -hmm. a new language, whatever. And others watch pornography. Yeah. Uh, or they just ignore it and they watch television and they don't like the computer. So I think you'll still have all those options. Um, but for those that really capitalize on that, 
um, and become disciplined and, and learn how to use that tool really, really well, they're going to be at a completely different level. Dave, first of all, I'm getting a little concerned. You've mentioned pornography like two or three times now. So. <laughs> there's, a, there's, I think, a great business opportunity there. They say like, <laughs> you're Dave. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> visit, but, visit, visit Dave on OnlyFans.com. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, who who here remembers the movie Sleeper? With Woody Allen. Yeah. Woody yeah. Allen, right? We've cloned her nose. Yeah, where they, where, he, where he, he comes alive and they, they torture him with Nixon film, right? And, oh. and, and then uh, he goes into a booth and it's a, it's a sex booth, right? So it, with a 16-year-old? Oh, well, for his case, probably, right? <laughs> and, his, and his stepdaughter at the same time. So Yikes. that's a whole different story and yeah, that we could go down quite the trail there. But, but the, the, the interesting thing you brought up just a second ago, Wolf, is that there's, there's a discrepancy. If, if we're able to, number one, mitigate the process or the progress of things that deteriorate for uh, in our in our bodies so in other words we rust that's how we do we we actually rust and we we oxidize we get older we die so if you can slow down that process or repair things that have already been damaged in one way shape or form which is what aging is is damage it's damage throughout the period of time of our lifespan that's one thing okay but i again like i said earlier i don't want to be 200 years old and feel like i'm 200 years old i might want to be 200 years old and feel like i'm 35 that would be awesome yeah right but the but at 200 years old you may feel like you're 35 but you have the experiences and the understanding and you have the the mental age of 200 there's the discrepancy i can't yeah. get my head around right there because that and everybody always says oh i wish i wish i was when i was 20 i had the wisdom i have now yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, sometimes ignorance is bliss, I think. But, I think so you know, so yeah. that's that's where I go. So the idea of rejuvenating the body to uh, regress the aging process, I think, is hugely interesting to me because it would be great to feel better all the time as, as you were when you were younger. But that doesn't stop your mental age from progressing mm-hmm. at all. What do you guys think about and, that? And do you, do you, um, I think unfortunately a lot of people, whatever age they're at, as they get older, they are just hooked into a paradigm that was developed long ago and they have a hard time adjusting. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, um, three of the four of us are on the cusp of 60 here, right? Um, a lot of 60-year-olds aren't capable of having this discussion. They don't even want to think about it, and it's a bunch of crazy talk, right? So those people probably wouldn't enjoy what the world's going to be like 150 years from now. I can't wait. You know, I think it's going to be amazing. I think that the world's going to be... What The other thing is people don't realize right now the world's so much better than it's ever been by almost any oh, objective. Absolutely. And yeah. it's just going to continue to move in that direction. Yeah, there's social media to amplify where it's wrong, and there's plenty of things to fix still. But I, I just think that uh, in, in terms of uh, getting away from fossil fuels, um, this longevity, alleviating disease, all these things, uh, life is just going to be fantastic in the future. And you just have to stay current and stay on top of this and be able to use the technology. A lot of old yeah. people won't want to get jacked into the cloud. It's like, nah, that's... Um, you know, that's for Satan or something. You know, you're not going to do it. And what you say too about aging, it 
it is important that there be that regenerative component to that because I don't think any one of us want to live to be 150 if we spend the last 50 years, you know, in a state of decrepitude. I mean, my own mom is 96 and a half years old. She still lives by herself. She still cleans her house and she still gets around pretty well. But I've noticed in the last year, like a decline, like an almost, I'm done. I don't know why I'm still here anymore. My friends are all gone. I'm bored every day. I don't know why that I'm still here. So I think if she was feeling better, and like I said, she's only on one medication right now. She's doing amazingly well, but she is declining a little bit. She uses a walker now a little bit. Up until last year, she never used a walker. So there is this dissatisfaction with life. So I think if there was the regenerative component, and it's also the mindset that Dave talks about, you're right. We're all excited about the future, and we all have people that we went to high school with and college with that are now, you know, they're, they're not functioning at a level like we are, okay? They don't exercise every day. They're not optimistic about the future. They've uh, unfortunately been afflicted with some diseases or else they're, they've all, they're already gone. So, yeah. you know, it, the mindset of optimism is important, and that is something I think that we need to, you know, instill in order for people to be successful adapters of this technology. Well, I I think there's a social component of this that that probably needs to be ferreted out a bit. And, you know, you mentioned it when you're talking about your mom, Ed, that, you know, all her friends are gone, right? Mm So so one of the things about moving forward in in life and expanding this longevity is that your, your, you know, social circle is still either in development or secure. Because loneliness will kill people as much as anything else. And I, 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 interestingly, and we did a podcast of this, uh, what was it, last week, Wolf? I can't remember. But it, we, we were talking about yep. uh, the book Empty Planet and some of the mm-hmm. things about population uh, increase versus decline and the debate around that. And I've got a particular viewpoint on that. But down. if you, you go, it's definitely, you know, it's, we're going to peak mm-hmm. soon. Let's put it that yeah. way. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You, you, you can't, you can't continue the human race unless you procreate. And when you start procreating at a rate less than replacement, yeah. you're doomed to push, pushing ourselves into, into non-existence. So the other, this is the other side of that, right? So if you expand your length of age significantly or, except for getting run over by buses or some kind of attack or whatever else, uh, infinitum, then you've, you've made up for that deficit, but you've also cornered the market. Your, your age group becomes the biggest thing. And you're not, there's something, there's something about that. I'm not hitting the note right on that, but the idea of not creating new generations is very debilitating to me. There's something wrong with that. I think that would beg the question of why would you if you live so that's, long? That's that's my I mean, point of the bringing it up. Like I don't I don't think that I truly think that. Say for example, you know, Dave, your company, our company of uh, you know uh, neuroporn. Once we get it started, <laughs> I think it's really going to screw with people's brains. I don't think they're going to want to have to deal with the responsibility or the headaches of starting a family. And well, that's to, meta, right? You know, that's the whole well, meta argument. It, it, right? Yeah. And Mark Zuckerberg, who's definitely a human, uh, he totally, <laughs> totally is dropping the ball on that. And I think it's going to turn a lot of people off. I mean, uh, look, if we can somehow create like a perfect situation in which 
you know, health and all that stuff is specifically mitigated by this. I'm totally on board with it, but I just don't, I see it's just, I don't know. It just, it it creeps me out a little bit. For the most part, I think the metaverse is a, a place where those that are marginalized or unsuccessful in the real world find solace and enjoyment and they can be whoever they want to be. Um, and you know, that's healthy. That's unhealthy. I I don't think that the average person is going to want to be strapped into something and live some alternative reality and not, I just hope not. That's going to happen. I don't know. What's, what's the, uh, what's the quote from Klaus Schwab? You'll own nothing nothing. and you'll be happy. Right. And, and so is that, is that something that's quoted for the masses or is something quoted for the elite? It's not quoted for the uh, elite. It's quoted for the masses. No, it's definitely quoted for the masses. And I think, you know, we're all, I don't think any one of us here would be excited by Klaus Schwab's uh, and World Economic Forum's vision for the future there with, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, the Great Reset. I think these technologies, if they're applied properly, can be the antidote to that. And we need to make sure that, like I said, it's empowering the the individual to achieve human excellence rather than oppressing the individual and putting him into some kind of uh, dull, boring, awful, cookie-cutter existence where there's nobody that does anything great. I can't think of anything more boring and dystopian than that. Uh, Yeah. Well, I see it as soft oppression, right? Because we can can talk about people not wanting to be charged in the meadow, which, Dave, I'm right there with you. I... I have no interest. Uh, like, I, I don't even have a, a VR at my house. Like, I'm just like, nah, I'm good. Um, but at the same time, like, uh, soft depression, which I would see, at, not soft depression, soft oppression, uh, I would see as, like, social media. I mean, look at look at the, the Zoomers and the Millennials. Highest rate of depression ever, ever, yeah. in the last, in all of humanity, ever. Well, well yeah. obviously, in recorded medical human uh, history. Um, so uh, my question is, so say, for example, we create that ability to have social media be bombarded with ads, be bombarded with life, a life that you can't have in your brain. I can't imagine that's going to be a beneficial outcome. Uh, now, realistic optimism would suggest that we don't have a bombardment of all that stuff. But I, I don't know. It's just an interesting, it's an interesting quandary, I think. Well, I think that they'll uh, you'll have the opportunity to subscribe. And that's the, that's the bad thing. These echo chambers people fall into whatever paradigm that you find, um, alleviate your fear, which is generally what drives this kind of behavior. Whether you think that side's evil or that side's evil. Um, I, I, I think that, uh, again, with me and, and my social feed now, I don't, so I'm not a TikTok person. I'm not Snap. I'm pretty, you know, minimal in that regard. But it's curated. And if I'm getting stuff through, I see it once, boom, and ain't coming back. And so I get reinforced, very positive, tech forward, um, optimistic uh, scenarios that empower me. Mm-hmm. I don't hear about a bunch of crazy conspiracy theory stuff uh, on one side or the next. So I think if yeah. you're disciplined and educated and objective and curate your feed, I think it'd be very empowering. Hopefully that's the case. I, I, I think, <laughs> I think the, 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 the challenge with that, though, Dave, is that you're curating the feed based on your present view of your outward view in perception on, on those things about you. And right. the unfortunate part these days is it seems like 
half the freaking conspiracies that come out 10 years ago are now mainstream <laughs> proven this and that. And, and see, that's therein lies the problem, I think, because whether you do it individually and curate your stuff or whether you do it within a group that provides feedback that you want to hear, you're creating a, a personal echo chamber. And yeah. that, I'm, I'm not saying it's bad or good. I think I think it's often and this is a conversation you and I had probably 30 years ago, you know, put more positive in. So to combat all the negative that's coming at you without you trying to put it in, right? So you're, right. you're trying to, you're trying to, you know, balance the equation or balance the scales in a way that's going to benefit you for the direction you've decided to go, which goes back to my argument at the very start of this podcast is that this is really an engagement about your own decision on what's good or bad for you, per, your personal sphere of influence, your, your risk tolerance, your goals in life or beyond the current life we have. And your decisions are always based on those kind of things. And I, you know, I, I love the saying, I like to think of myself as a cup half full person, but whether the cup's half full or half empty, it's still freaking half. Right. And that's the reality. And people look at that half full glass and they decide whether that the, the part that's missing is dark or light. And I don't want to be Pollyanna. I want to expect that things bad can happen because they always do. But I also want to move forward in a way that says, for the most part, the good is going to outweigh the bad. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, who am I to say? There's other people that seem reasonably intelligent that could make a very compelling argument that your feed should be curated some other way, right? And at the end of the day, that's all emotionally driven. Um, but yeah, but that's going to be a challenge. We, we have that challenge right now in, in our, and it's causing lots of problems in our society. If people pattern match and they look for, and the algorithms from social media themselves help you pattern match because oh, right. you, you clicked on this. Okay. Well, we can tell now that you are a conservative Republican. You are of this age demographic. So we're going to put more and more of what you like in your feed. So you'll click on it and it'll become more popular. And it'll be more marketable. So, you know, they are manipulating us already. Obviously these algorithms are collecting the information and they're giving us what they think we want. So, so, Bull, you do make an important point, I think. It's important for us to step outside of our comfort zone and all the things that we really like to hear all the time that reinforces what we think and take a look at some of the other perspectives just in case we might be a little bit wrong. Right. And one, yeah, yeah. what, and you also mentioned uh, about uh, we're all, it's all about our own personal level of what we're comfortable with. And you, you brought up the Amish. And, of course, they have uh, turned away from you know, automobiles and uh, computers and all kinds of different technologies. But one of the things, I just read this yesterday, that they are now interested in is uh, the advances in genetic engineering. Because, obviously, as a population, they're very susceptible to certain genetic abnormalities because they're, let's face it, they're, their dating and mating pool is small. Okay. And those things well are put. going to well be, uh, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to be politically. Pull that off. Their, uh, <laughs> their, their dating and mating pool is small. So they need to be aware of that. So all of a sudden, you know, they've passed on all of these, uh, you know, technological advances that you and I take for granted, but they're concentrating on this one because for them, it could be a, a matter of survival. So again, there's a lot of benefit, but the key thing here that I keep going back to, and I think we all agree on, it's important that we have the autonomy to make our own decisions about it. 
because I think yeah. it has the potential to be good. So we can't renounce it, even though there are potential negatives with this. And, you know, you read a book uh, by Mark Goodman called Future Crimes and, you know, all of the things that can go wrong with our technologies and the Internet and even gets into biohacking and things like that, where you can actually, you know, hack the genome of a specific individual and create a weapon that targets them specifically. So we just saw that, you know, with uh, the last James Bond movie. But it's it's out there. There are negatives, but there's so much in the way of possible good that I think that we've got to keep keep chugging down the road. Just keep our eyes open and look for the potholes. Well, there's no stopping it. Anyway. There's happen, no stopping it. Yeah, there's yeah, no. Yeah. It's gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, look, if 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 you if you three guys can moderate all of it and control all of it, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy with it. Like I, everyone here, you guys all get the. I'll just give. I'll give you the money for it. You guys can all. You can handle it. You've got an investor here that will help you. I'm. I'm. I'll be in the background, and I trust the decisions there. But I, I just. I don't know. It's. it's it's a big ask with the ownership, and I think it's a big ask of, of government and a big yeah. ask specifically of individual autonomy. You know, uh, Dave and I were talking uh, a couple of different times in the last month about electric vehicles, autonomous vehicles, things like that. And and I've, I've made the point tons of times, and with you as well, Wolf, that I'm kind of an incrementalist. I like things to, to move a little bit slower than they do now. And Dave has made the point in this podcast and others that that's not the circumstance in which we're living in. And I think he's right about that, which, which kind of changes my, it doesn't change my point of view on what I'd like to have happen better, but it makes me understand that I, you can only push so hard against the realities you live in. That's mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean you have to acquiesce to all of them at all. You can, you can be contrary. You can push yeah. back and, and do all kinds of things differently. Because we have the ability, at least in this country, at this stage in, in human history, the ability to do things kind of independently. But the reality is, is you should be able to focus on the, the circumstances we live in and determine how to move forward within them. It, it, yeah. I mentioned the EV truck thing. That's a perfect example. I think we're yeah. rushing headlong into that way faster than we should. And I got a feeling I'll probably be proven right, but that's beside the point. It's not the circumstances in which we live. So... If, if everything is pointing in one direction, which this longevity escape velocity is pointing in that direction, there's a lot of arguments against it to say there's a biological number that we won't exceed because of our ability as human beings to have a period of time in which we uh, decide to procreate. In 120 yeah. years is about that boundary limit. I think that's nonsense. I, I think we're going to easily blow by that. Now, whether it's in with my lifetime or not, whether there's some dark sides of this that hit first, that push us backward for a while before we move forward again, I have no idea. But it's quite obvious from the experiments going on, what we know about other biological entities and how long they live, whales, turtles, snails, uh, lobsters, all those, I mean, you, you name all kinds of things. Some of them don't even die. They, they actually just kind of continue. We do in a way, but we call our continuation our progeny, right? So, yeah. so how do we change that? That's, that's the real question. I, re I was reading something by a guy. His name's, I think, Jose Codero. I don't know mm -hmm. if you've read anything by him or seen anything by him, but he was. I've met was, him. Oh, you've met him. There you go. So he, uh, he was going on about how, you know, cancer is kind of the key to all this. And I was like, when he said that, I was like, what? What are you talking about? Cancer is the key to this. That's what nobody wants, right? Mm -hmm. But his point was is that 
there are uh, somatic cells in germ cells in the body. Somatic cells die. Germ cells do not. Cancer is a mutation and it does not die. And he talked about the Henrietta Lacks and the, the idea that that, that, that cancer cell from her, cancer cells from her still live on today, even though she's been gone for uh, 80 years or something like that. So there's, there's, there's a lot of investigation to be had as to why these things continue. And if something else can continue, there's no reason that we can't, that I know of from a logical standpoint. So what you're saying is the answer is in cancer. The answer, the answer is cancer. Is all for us to be cancerous. That's great. That's I intentionally <laughs> said that so I could make a rhyme out of it. That's beautiful. It's poetic. It, it could uh, be. beautiful. Yeah. Jose's yeah. a bright guy. That'd be very, very, very poetic. So you, you met him, Ed. I met him. I met him at a World Future Society conference back uh, maybe six, eight years ago. So I uh, actually met him twice. He was a regular attender at those conferences, and they were a lot of fun to attend. It was a, At that time, the World Future Society was a great clearinghouse on everything related to the future. And mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, in the past few years, it's kind of gone in a different direction. And now I think Singularity Hub is probably the the number one uh, resource gathering area for all things future related. So, uh, but before Singularity Hub, it was the World Future Society, and they bring together all kinds of futurists from diff with different perspectives from across the world. And every year they would have uh, a convention, and I had a chance to go to several of those, and they were like candy for your brain. So it was That's great cool. to see yeah. that. And yeah, Jose was there there regularly. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Wolf, you mentioned something about this also kind of one of the terms used other than longevity escape velocity, it's actuarial escape velocity. And it kind of made me laugh when I heard that because, you know, when I think of actuarial tables, I always think of insurance. And, and what does the insurance market look like when suddenly we go from 80 year old maximum to 160 year old maximum? I can't Those imagine the what things. the premiums are going to be like, or if they even are around, if you think you're going to live forever, maybe what you have is just accident insurance at that point, because yeah. that's all that's going to ever kill you. I don't know. But, Those are the things that I think about is that's like the, the, the reformation of that entire industry, the reformation of a ton of different industries is what kind of pops into my brain when I think about this stuff. Cause it's like, look, the common dude, I don't have any concern about him. The Charles Schwab of the world, I, I, those are the people that concern me because they very unilaterally just kind of shifted the narrative just, just because, just because they were bored. And uh, and you know, Bull, you and I have had discussions off podcasts and on podcasts. Like, how how do we control these people? We can't. We don't. It's, it's the other very way around. obvious. How do yeah? How do they control us? And I see that like this particular thing, as cool as it is, I see this as the key to them doing that unilaterally. No question. Doesn't matter what they tell us; it, it, they are not telling us the truth. I just don't see benefit for them to do that. I don't it's, think that those guys are going to have control of this. There's billions of dollars being put uh, into this, aside from their control, and so much is happening. They might have their philosophical bent. But they're not going to change the direction of what's happening with medical Maybe not them specifically. and autonomy and all this kind of stuff. They're just not going to change it. Well, I, well, I, I see it as you know the the, the obviously the the uh, the good intentions uh, the 
the road of good intentions lead to hell or good intentions lead to hell. I the saying. phrase goes. I see that as being the, the litmus with these individuals. Because you see people like Greta Thunberg that come through. And, the world's ending. It's been ending since the 70s. And yeah. now it's like ending. It's real soon. And they're going to Fiji. And they're they're riding the planes. And they're they're saying, oh, yeah, but only the special people can go to Fiji. My, my whole observation is, okay, well, they're the next generation of the of the Charles Schwab's. Well, and as much as I think, you know, people like Elon Musk have good intentions, he has alternate intentions as well. He's there's got, never he's a lack of, of you know this kind of philosophy or uh, I don't I you're always going to have hypocrites right that and from their point of view they probably don't think they're hypocrites that's right. that's our point of view it, you know yeah. people can believe all kinds of things the human human nature is that we're is about as diverse as we are as individuals and that's interesting but I, I think to your point Wolf uh, I I don't think it's about stopping the advent of mm -hmm. these things these futuristic things, medically wise, yeah. AI wise, any of that. I don't think it's about stopping it. I think it's always and always will be about power and control. Yeah. And, you know, none of us here on this podcast are in power and control. There are other people and other groups that are, and their, their goals do not align with common human mm -hmm. being goals of survival or length of, of their life or any of that kind of stuff. It, it's about maintaining growing power. I, I, I hate to be so negative, but that's kind of what I've always viewed a lot of these things, that there's always a, an umbrella over the top of everything that well, says, it, we're going to manage this. If, if you think about it, until the Enlightenment, really, the history of humanity was really the history of feudalism. Okay, mm -hmm. for 6,000 years, we operated on very much a hierarchical pyramid kind of a scheme where, you know, the, the kings, the lords, the priests, uh, they ate the best food. They slept with the best women. They mm -hmm. fathered the majority of children. They always ran things, and there was always that hierarchy. It was the Enlightenment that actually tried to go from a pyramid kind of a society to a, more of a diamond-shaped society where you had an educated middle class that actually could become empowered. So I see what Dave says, and I, I think there's an element of truth to that, that this technology, well, it has the potential to enslave us it also has the potential to radically empower the individual because now the individual can go online and he can get he can he can go on to twitter he can go on to facebook at least he can he has a venue to express his or her opinions before yeah. that never happened so well there's the possibility for Control. There's also the possibility, maybe using this technology to put the brakes on some of those folks and their plans for control or their yeah. they may not even plan. It may just be something that happens as a result of their you know, desire to make money. But because we yeah, have well, these technologies, maybe we can do something about that and we ourselves can become a little bit more super empowered. Well, yeah, I, it's I think the great that... equalizer. It is the great equalizer for the world. And <laughs> I saw a, a recent article about, you know, a, uh, you know, like 15-year-old girl in Africa has more information at her fingertips than the president of the United States had 20 years ago. Yeah, and, but... And, and yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's really an incredible opportunity and tool. Yeah, it can be abused. Yeah, there's people it's... that are going to want to do evil things with it. But generally, I believe, and it's true, People are good on the whole, and I think that this is just going to take us in a, a very empowering direction. I'm I think that's a comparative observation, though, Dave. I do, because yeah. you, you know, you're talking about the president 20 years ago and a person in Africa today. Well, right. it's not really about that. It's, it's what is happening today here and today there. 
So right. th- there's there's always the in, and that's that's my argument with this. I'm not looking for the the dark side of all this either. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm more on the side of you got to move forward. You got to understand this is happening anyway. So how do we take advantage? How do we learn from it? We well, can call it being enslaved by technology, or you can call it being empowered by technology. It's kind of the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. any technology we talk about in, in past history, the light bulb going on, the, 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 you know, us being able to start fire, creating the wheel, anything you want to talk about throughout history is a technology that has occurred that has both helped and put us in a position to create other things that now we can't live without that technology. Petroleum is yeah. probably the greatest example today of that. It created the society we live today in. It actually, yeah. it, for the last 150 years, if there was one thing that helped us become who we are today. It's energy. And that energy was based on fossil fuels. So, so now we're tossing that out the window as quick as we possibly can for a lot of the reasons we discussed here today. And I'm not saying that's wrong or right. I'm just saying that we became a slave to it. And the yeah. only way to get away from that empowerment and slavery of the, that thing that we created ourselves is to have a lot of volatility for a period of time before we get to the next thing. So what I'm saying about this, this extension of medical and AI and all the nanotechnology, all this kind of stuff is that there's going to be a period of extreme volatility where there's extreme inequities worldwide. And there's always someone that's willing to, to manage that process and take advantage of it. You know, that, that's why I said the whole Klaus Schwab thing and everything else like that. Well, not trying to be a doomsayer, but that's kind of my point of view on it. Well, yeah, I think that, but throughout history, uh, we're all familiar with the Luddites, right? Mm-hmm. You're exactly right. As we go through these transitions, there's going to be people that uh, it's going to be at their expense. Uh, and But it's unavoidable. It's just going to happen. We're not Luddites. It creates fear. A lot of people are going to fight change, no matter what it is. But change is coming. And so since we know that, how do we best take advantage of it? That's Well, that's and that's... Yeah, and I think Dave, you know, you make a good point. Bull, you make a good point. And, and Ed, you know, obviously, I think something to be stated, not, and our listeners know this. Like, we're we're pro enlightenment ideology here. We've had multiple episodes on it. Um, you know, I consider myself relatively well read about it. Um, at least more so than the you know the average individual. So I understand the benefits and the the ideology there. I unfortunately I see that as it is not normal. In, in, in human history. And you can see that with the last few years, we've transitioned in a lot of ways away from that type of thinking. We've transitioned in a lot of ways, especially when it comes to an individualistic type uh, existence to something that's more collectivist. And whereas there's nothing inherently wrong about that, I don't see uh, this particular scenario being uh, a, a net positive. I see it being a net neutral right now because I don't think we can project whether it's positive or negative because there's so many variables um but yeah i mean hopefully hopefully it's it's exactly as you know as dave speculates because if that's the case that's best case scenario we'll be spacefaring individuals we'll leave this rock we'll go to different planets we'll be able to uh, coexist and then maybe we'll be introduced to some sort of great archetype antagonist that's an alien race and we can actually have star wars happen (laughs) maybe that's the case that would be phenomenal I don't know if that's the case. So uh, it's definitely a lot of uh, a lot of variables that I think are going to unfortunately rear their ugly head, and I don't think a lot of them are going to be very good. I think some will be fantastic, phenomenal, but when it comes to the third world countries in which people might have phones that give them more access now, uh, unfortunately, the vast majority of the world is not as enlightenment thinking principled, and even in America right now, as much as we should be. And I think that it's it's going to introduce some interesting quandaries. 
It really it, will. It, no doubt it will. No doubt it will. Yeah, I would view it as the great amplifier. It will amplify mm. evil and it will amplify mm -hmm. good and great. You know, that's that's really a good way that's to a good put one. it. It really yeah. is because that's that's kind of the way I see it. I mean, all these things are, you know, I, I put a little list down of some of the, the health things that are moving forward with astronomical speed, you know, precision medicine, personalized precision medicine, you know, having, having an understanding of each of us individually and creating things that both repair and affect our future on an individualized basis. God, I, I, nobody would have thought of that 20 years ago, really. Yeah. And, and it's and it's here. Biotechnology, regenerative medicine, predictive medicine, uh, genomics and robotics, preventative healthcare. I mean, it's a wellness industry that we're moving toward instead of a sickness industry, right? Yeah, that's that's kind that's of the good. idea. You know, gene therapy, stem cell therapy, nanotechnologies. You mentioned that earlier. 3D, 4D, 5D printing. I've never heard of the 5D printing before, but that's on my I don't mind. know It's going to blow you what that is. That's multiple dimensional <laughs> printing, perhaps. I don't know. Um, I, have you ever heard of smart dust? That was on this list. Now there. I have. I'm gonna, yeah, I, I I'm not sure what that is, but I'm, I'm kind of worried about uh, it. Smart the Pentagon dust. has been <laughs> investing in smart dust for a long time. What it is, it's uh, it's actually a variant of nanotechnology, and they think smart mm. dust could be used yeah. on the battlefield to, uh, you know, uh, engage in intelligence gathering operations and things like that. And again, it's you know, it's a nanotechnology. Mm. I mean, you can actually manipulate things at the molecular level. So, but you know what? I, I think I've decided, Ed, your, your smart, Hazel smart Park new manager thing is just a cover. I can tell <laughs> right now. There's, there's something else right. going on there that you can't tell us about. This, your security it's Jason Bourne. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, all these kind of I'm things. There's a, a whole bunch more. reads a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Wolf, what do you think yeah. about this, man? You're the only youngster among us. You you seem to be the most negative amongst us too, and I I'm not negative about it. I think it's phenomenal. I just think that I I just don't unfortunately like I, I trust the people here. I think the normal person not going to abuse it, and, and I I think the same goes for like the vaccines. Like if, if Billy down the street had an opportunity to create a vaccine and give it away free, he would. I mean, statistically, I think people would. I don't think those people would be pulling the strings on this. I don't trust that private industry will have total control because that'd be too much of a danger to the people in power. Too much of a danger. Okay. Same thing with the 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 like with Bitcoin, with uh, with the the uh, blockchain technology that was supposed to be total open source. Anyone can use it. This is going to make the market better. Investment viable. Money, money, money. What happened? That's because the existing people that control the levers of power. Mm -hmm. Don't want it ripped all away, so they have to figure and out a way to to participate in that. Yeah. And the way to participate on it is to make up their own and, and regulate against the the current. Right? It's and they that's kind of what down. and and I see a lot of that happening too. And I think those are those are things that in a hundred years from now we'll look back and maybe it'll actually be we'll look back because mm -hmm. we may still be around to look back. Right. That'd be yeah. kind of cool. Which would be cool, uh, phenomenal. So here's here's kind of my final question we can dive into that I'm that I've been thinking about is everybody here on the podcast when do we think it is I know we've heard experts say within a certain period of time this and that 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 whole uh, Methuselah Malthusian singularity Malthu, Mal Malthu, thank Malthusian. you very much Malthusian yeah. uh, the LEV when do we think that's actually going to occur where it's a one-for-one one? where the technology is advanced enough that doesn't mean it's ubiquitous that doesn't mean that we all get it but that means that the technology is advanced enough where it can overcome the the year that it takes to age. Ed, I think, you think that it will be Dave, variable depending on the person. Mm -hmm. 
you know, Kurzweil says 2029. Uh, I think that's the, the, the date that, that he has on it. And there's some agreement around that with, with other futurists. Um, but it doesn't mean it's going to happen for everybody. I think you're going to have to be highly disciplined and educated to capitalize on the front end of that. I'm certainly hopeful that we're going to see something like that in the early 2030s or something like that. I, you know what? My linear brain can't think in exponential terms like that. A lot of things are going to have to happen before we're there. But I'm thinking 2030s. And I would agree with that. I think we'll yep. see the first regenerative treatments. They may not be the end result. It's going to be something that we'll build on based on the research and what we see. But I think you'll see the first true, real regenerative treatments that will be offered for humans in the early 2030s. Yeah, I, I would I would say I would say 15 years. I would say 15 years, uh, maybe 10 in, in when it comes to like actual, you know, implementation medically. And then because of lobbying from, you know, politicians and celebrities and people who want to live forever, 15 years. So, yeah. I, I think it, it, that's exactly where I think it's going to be. So I think the answer has two questions or the question has two answers, actually. And one is that we're already there. Um, mm -hmm. I think the technologies yeah. are there. Yeah. Uh, and but Ray I, Kurzweil says he's already there. Yeah. He says I, that for himself. I think the real problem, is, and Dave, you alluded to this, it becomes individual or group or cast, you know, kind of system implementation, right? It's, so, again, first adopters are going to be those with enough money, wherewithal, or, or that can go to a country that doesn't have the, the, you know, FDA standing in the way of whatever, you know, implementation yeah. there is. So, yeah. so the way, and, and a lot of that has more to do with economics than it does with true safety concerns, right? So again, to the, the point somebody was making a little earlier, those that are in uh, the position of economic gain right now mm -hmm. um, will probably want to slow some of these things down because they're making money on whatever's currently going on. Th think about big pharma in general, right? The, right? A lot of these medical things that go on today are put in place so that they can, they, I mean, they're put in place so that you have to take a pill every 30 days. Yeah. Well, wasn't, it, what was the, what, what was the, the treatment? Was it cancer treatment or AIDS treatment? That one guy that got in trouble legally where it was like 2300 Where he started charging, yeah, thousands uh, and thousands uh, of dollars. Of insulin, uh, yeah. yeah, that's what it was. It was the EpiPen. Yeah. So some of that is going to occur, which is going to push back the date for anybody that can't afford to, you know, fly to Switzerland and, and get the procedures done. Right. Yeah. So that's that's the real question for me, because to have that that diamond structure that you mentioned earlier, Ed, you've got to get the lion's share of the populace, which is the, the, the bulge in the middle to be able to to have benefit from this. Mm -hmm. That's the question I have, because we're all in that bulge. You know? Yeah. The good thing, I think, is that you will see, because people do want to have a profit motive, you'll see the price come down to make it more available yeah. to the average person, because we've seen that with every treatment technology that we've had. And you see the isolated things where that, you know, that total shithead did raise the price of the EpiPens, but then the market and the government actually came in to play to squeeze them a little bit. And you saw, you're seeing now the price of insulin come down, some of it mandated by the government. So, you know, there are there are regulators and there are potential ways where we can try to create that diamond shaped 
society, uh, there are tools that will help us. We all need to be smart enough and know what's happening. And some of it isn't going to just be about money and wealth. Some of it's going to be is who's optimistic and plugged into this stuff enough to take advantage of this. I had two friends, both of whom have a whole hell of a lot more money than I had. Both of them were diagnosed with cancer. One was very proactive, uh, got on a plane, went to the best hospital in the country. Uh, another one probably had a little more money even, stayed home, uh, went to the same oncologist that they were used to going to, didn't have the same result. One is still alive today, and that was the one that became proactive, got in the plane, went to the Mayo Clinic, was ready to try anything possible, spare no expense, be open to new treatment modalities. The other one, well, he, he really liked his doctor, and they had a great relationship. And unfortunately, yeah, but- he didn't get a great outcome. So some of this is going to come down to not just who's got the money, but who's actively seeking this stuff out and willing to try it. Well, in, interestingly enough, the common denominator for both those people is they had a lot of money. They had money. Their, deci- they did their decision money. making, their decision making mm-hmm. was different. And you have to ask yourself why the one that had a lot of money and was active, uh, proactive about it, was able to do those traveling and everything else, and why his, uh, the modalities he was using to combat his cancer, why they were the expense they were. Well, they were expense they were in part because they're not, they're not uh, ubiquitous enough, and they're right. not they because of the profit motive of, of people going the 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 western medicine side that's already in place so to my point earlier i i think that you have to it's great that there's a profit motive and that should bring the price of certain things down certainly it does for the uh you know we talked about the genome project earlier and how you can get your own genome done today for a couple hundred bucks but what happens when there's a when there's a technological advance that brings us over the lev enough that everybody can get it if they have x amount of dollars What's going to bring that profit down is if the people that are making enough money from that to combat what they would have made if that didn't get implemented. In other words, well, your cholesterol pill and your, yep. you know, that, yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, no, I, don't, I don't mean the competition. I mean, no, yeah. what's in place now is making the medical industry is making so much money on everything out mm-hmm. there yep. that that's what has to be looked and, at. That's and, what has to be overcome. In a lot of these challenges, they are, they're regulatory. You mentioned the FDA. And then there are also some you know, intellectual property challenges because we have patent trolls sometimes who are sitting on one kind of technology that's the missing piece for a treatment modality. So we need to make sure, too, that we're not letting that happen, but also that they're getting fairly compensated for the work that they put in. So it's going to become a public policy challenge for us. The best way that we prepare ourselves for it is discussions just like this. Exactly. And I would say one more thing, one more thing that doesn't really cost any money. Uh, To reach longevity escape velocity, let's say it's in the early 2030s. All of us here, um, to make it worthwhile, are going to have to exercise a lot of discipline. You cannot eat pizza every day and never exercise and then 15 years from now, we'll all be 75 years old. You want to preserve that version of yourself, right? Now, maybe someday there'll also be pills you can take or something so you could eat all the pizza, fried chicken, and drink beer all day and never exercise and be fine. But I think the practical challenge that, that everybody needs to recognize, what's important to know right now, is you need to take as best care of yourself right now as you can for the next 10 or 15 years, whenever that technology is available, so you can preserve that. That is what yeah. is actionable and what we should all be doing. Couldn't agree more. 
I would say that's right on the nose. Absolutely, positively true. And when it comes around in 15 years, I will tell you guys right now, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Flat out won't do it. Don't care what it is. I'm not going to do it. I, I will live a regular human life. I'll die when I'm supposed to. I, I just don't. I, I, I can't. I don't like the game. I don't like the premise. I don't like the implications. And I just rather not be a part of it. Wait I mean, it's the same thing. Same thing with the vaccination shit. Wait. I still won't do it. Wait till you meet your first grandchild. Yeah. I can still change it. I can tell them exactly why. And, I mean, and it's, 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 it's a marriage. Wait till you meet your first grandchild. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but that, but that, but then he, that's he, the. That, he I get has your to point. be. Wolf has point. to be converted very slowly. I know this over. Time. Very slowly, and and here's the thing: is like it's not a matter. I see the benefit. I 100 see the benefit. And I get your point. I think that's probably true. You know, first grandchild, first child, 100. Like I'm not going to fight that. At the same time, I just see it, it's 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 very much like a moral a moral thing, ethical thing for me. And it, the specifically with the last two years, like I saw a lot of people totally just disregard uh, medical code. And I think the same thing will happen here. I think people will just be so excited they'll disregard it. And and had I have uh, had I have listened to everybody who told me that it wouldn't be a problem two years ago, then I'd be in the question of oh, I guess I would, I'd be in that group of oh, I was wrong. And you know maybe I am, but so far I'm not. And well, let me I ask you this: skeptical. when when you're 80 years old, I don't know what uh, life expectancy is right now. Let's say it's 80. You know, if you made it this yeah, far, maybe it's 80 or 85 or something Probably like that. 85 for him. Your age, right? Um, and let's say you're really healthy yeah. Um, and you can play tennis, maybe even go skiing and dance with your wife and your grandchildren. Mm -hmm. Do you want to drop dead tomorrow? Wouldn't you like to extend that out further? I mean, theoretically, yeah. But who's to say they don't live to be 120? I mean, it's, but it's if you like, live I to think... be 120, Wolf, it's probably because of the very things we're talking about. Or maybe some dance. form of it, uh, but, but it watered down a little yeah. bit. Maybe yeah, you're not and then, to the cloud, but you're going to be yeah, taking yeah, yeah. advantage of medical technology See, that's available. And that's what I'm fine with that. Like medically, like base medically, totally. So there's fine. a threshold the issue you're talking about here. There's, like it's it's once it moves to the manipulation of personality, dexterity, your brain, intelligence. Uh, they 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 who have versus they who don't. Because I would consider myself in the they they have group, and I came from the they that don't group. So I understand the transition periods. It, it's. I just see it as like an ethical thing because it's like, okay, well, I'm no different than someone who has no money. I'm no more intelligent than someone who has graduated or not graduated from college because intelligence is a metric that is so skewed these days by things that are not indicators of intelligence that it's almost nonsensical. It's like, okay, so I read a book that makes me more intelligent than someone? Not necessarily. I mean, what did I get from the book? And there's so many people who have degrees these days that don't use them and it's indicated and shown in actions and decisions. So it's a very broad spectrum of like, it's the they's that and the they's that do not have argument, and I don't like going into that argument. It just it perturbs me. Well, it's like you know, ultimately, human beings and biological entities in general, uh, they it's it's about wanting to survive. It's it, mm -hmm. it's in our code. Yeah. We we want to survive. We want to live. We want to uh, continue our generations, one way, shape, or another. And it, it seems evident to me that as we become more educated, urbanized, civilized, we, we don't, we're not replacing ourselves at all. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to survive as a species, we got to do something different and we've got to use our brains and our technologies, the things we create to help us move into that future. I mean, it just seems yeah. totally logical to me. And, and so, and I, you know, I'm not saying that we're not going to be on some bumpy roads. I think I mentioned that earlier. The volatility we're going to see ahead is going to be extreme, especially for those that do not have right now. Mm -hmm. 
and that that is that's horrible because you want to bring you want to bring everybody with you right you want everybody well, to be engaged and everybody to well, be let's, benefited let's put it this way uh my brother has yeah. a disability there's certain things medically that he can't take and during the discussion in the last two years everyone totally forgot that there's certain people that can't take those things just ignored it and and the way i look at it is if we're going to play this game of living indefinitely but then throwing out ethics because it's inevitable that's that is so dystopian that that is the most nobody's dystopian saying to throw out ethics no, no, I'm no, not saying no. that. I'm not saying there. I'm not saying you are. I'm saying that I, I. I don't think any of you are. I think the the overwhelming group shift, groupthink mentality, unfortunately, will be that because it was shown to a high degree in 2020, 2020, 2021, and even today. Until people who pushed a narrative realized their narrative was no longer useful. I just don't think that that power base is going to shift much. It might shift slightly and i hate to say this because it makes me sound like i'm cynical i'm really not I, I agree with you dave when it comes to where we are today uh there's a specific book um i've talked about it before and i can't remember it right now uh but i'll get it to you via email that talks about how we are in the best possible time scientifically and historically oh, in all of history yeah. like 100 there's no arguing it you can look at it measurably you can look at it through a quality of living you can even measure it to some degree with wealth even though it's really hard to do that going backwards because the metrics are different with that being said like i agree with you 100 my skepticism and my concern kind of just aligns with uh, i mean you look at someone like anthony fauci right the guy was wrong about everything to do with AIDS, 100%. He was given awards for it, and then he ran the whole thing that happened two years ago. You think that was an accident? I mean, like, uh, that's the, it's, it's, it's just too calculated. And, and I'm not saying people are controlling you know, things. I'm not saying Charles Schwab controls everything. I just think that there are certain things where it's like, why wouldn't you do that? If it, I was in that power position, I would do that. You know? As far it's, as power goes, though, Wolf, I would say that what we're talking about, um, whether any form of technology to include what is going to be required to reach longevity escape velocity mm -hmm. when it's new it's not manufactured or provided at scale and any new thing looms automobiles or whatever um if you go to i was just at henry ford museum which is the automobile museum in michigan it's interesting you look at the first cars they were way more expensive than cars like eight to ten years later when they achieve some manufacturing scale so yeah you know initially the people that can afford uh this stuff because it's not available at scale they don't have economies of scale and making this stuff provided though you're going to have to have resources to afford uh, afford that stuff but mm -hmm. ed's made this point a, a few times eventually and i don't think it's going to take too too long everybody's going to be able to make to, to to access this stuff so i don't think it's just going to be the rich and powerful that can get this uh, we've shown time after time with all this new stuff, the vaccines, you're not a fan. That's cool. Um, but everybody could get them. It wasn't like just the so, rich people could insulate themselves from this stuff. So let me, let me the preface. same thing's going to happen with this. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not a fan of vaccines. I'm, I'm not a fan of them being politicized. Like I was like, it was mismanaged. In, in, Agreed, hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Intentionally, horrifically mismanaged. mismanaged. I'm not a Fauci yeah. fan. Never was. Didn't like mm -hmm. how it was uh, ran, administered. The whole response should have and could have been much different and much better. 
Agree. Yeah. But the cool thing here is, just like you mentioned that word, that great E word, the enlightenment. That is mm -hmm. the antidote to so many of these problems here is that we remember those principles. It's the antidote 100%. to the pyramid society. It's the antidote to the extremes on the right and the left. And the antidote are conversations like this. I keep coming back to that because if, yeah. if we can figure this out, okay, Others can figure this out and chart a wiser course. We all just have to be vigilant and not let the hidden hand come down. We need to ask questions. You're right. We've got to question authority, question it all the time. That is the antidote. Criticism is the antidote to stupidity. So, yep. you know, it. you're right to raise these questions. But also, I have to come down on the side of, yeah, I'm excited about these things. I hope they come to pass because they have the potential to really make things better for every human being on Agreed. planet Earth. Education yeah. goes a long way. And 100%. Think, uh, so, Wolf, I don't know your backstory. I, I know a bit of Chris's backstory, kind of from farmland in uh, the, the Midwest. Uh, doesn't sound like, Wolf, you came from great means. Um <laughs> Ed and I, I can share, uh, did not. We did um, not. <laughs> yeah, I'll just leave it at that. And um, I will share with you that the way we were able to do something different and maybe get into the, the wide side of the diamond there was through education. That was the only mm -hmm. great liberator for us and reading books. And I can tell you that Gutenberg, I'm sure, you know, the printing press put out, put scribes out of work. Right. And yeah. that was turmoil and people didn't like that. And because of that, we have great opportunity we wouldn't otherwise have. This is another version of that on steroids. Yeah. And, and, with, and, I, and with, I hope so. I'm I do. And with oh, go going go to Dave's, uh, he mentioned Gutenberg. And again, after Gutenberg and the printing press, yeah, there was some social upheaval after that. You had, you know, the ability to put the those 95 theses that were on the right. store and print those things. So you had the 30 years war and things like that. There was some upheaval. And we're seeing that now kind of like that with social media. But after things calmed down, it became a huge net positive, you know, for planet Earth that we were able to, you know, and the industrial revolution and now yeah. uh, you know and create new cures for diseases and people are living longer now so mm -hmm. again there's a huge well, net and, benefit and, and I, yeah I and i talk about uh the great amplifier right and we think about mm -hmm. social media we've talked about that a bit and you know it causes depression in teenage girls it absolutely it people down echo chambers causes all kinds of problems the world was just like that at the time that this country was being formed, the pamphleteers and the insane things political parties would say about each other. Yeah. It is exactly where we are now. Only Same. everybody has access to it through social media. Newspapers, all newspapers were politicized. You know, you'd read one. There was no such thing as objective news around yeah. the, you know, at the time of our country's founding in those first few years. So everything was politicized. We can do better, but the technology gives us the chance to do better if we only utilize it properly because I can go and I can read what somebody else uh, thinks and think maybe, you know, maybe I wasn't right about that. And maybe if I'm lucky, someone will read or listen to something that I've said and said, well, Ed's causing yeah. me to think about this a little bit differently. 
And yeah, I, I totally you know, agree. Ben I mean, Franklin was amongst the totally worst. True. He was yeah. scandalous in the things that he would put out there without even under pseudonyms, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm sorry, Wolf. I I, I stepped over. No, you no, there. totally fine. No, I I totally I totally agree with you guys. I I think that it's just I over time have maybe become a little jaded against the the fact that. You guys are right. I'm a libertarian, middle of the road. I read both sides. I see credence in both sides. I see credence in the climate change argument. I see credence in the climate change doesn't exist argument. I totally understand where the people where people come from on this stuff. The problem is that I don't think that that viewpoint is normative. I don't. It, it, it's if. If, if that were the case, then we would 100% be in a better place. If that were the case in 2020, they would have said, send the young people to work. Keep the older people and the people who are sick at home. They would have said that. Not a single person said that. Same thing with uh, to, to I, I said be, that. I mean, well, well I mean, in like my, uh, at mass, in my, at mass. No, you're right. But like in my organization, we stayed open throughout the entire pandemic. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, I only furloughed people when the government made it so lucrative for my community to do so, and I let them spend half time at work. Everybody yep. kept coming to work because I didn't want to see a diminution of that work ethic, that sense of mission, mm-hmm. and uh, that whole, yeah, I want to be part of what's happening in the city of Hazel Park slide away by people just staying home and not doing anything. So yeah. awesome. uh, there, so there's a lot of people. It, it, I don't disagree with anything that you've just said. That's where, mm-hmm. how I consider myself, someone with a slightly libertarian bent who listens to both sides of the argument, but you know, after listening, I kind of come down like I'm a, I am definitely a techno optimist, but I'm a yeah. techno optimist that keeps my eyes open to those possible problems that we could have with the technology. And that's how we all have to approach it. Yeah. And we have and them like right said, now. We have them right now, you know, and, and Wolf, you'll appreciate this. I mean, you look at, OK, let's just say that uh, the vaccine was helpful to um, infirmed or older people or some some group of our population it was helpful mm-hmm. for them right well now the money motive is like push it down push it down push it down let's have five-year-olds take it that are virtually no risk whatsoever and the only only reason that they're being pushed on it so these guys can make money wrong yeah. wrong 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 and that just supports your point there's an yeah. opportunity this for this to go haywire mm-hmm and, and yeah, I mean, as I said before, if, if all if all three of you guys could represent like the the decision making collective on this, I'm on for it. I'm all for it. Can we get that, that going? Can we make that yeah, happen? That's somehow? right. You, if you, you guys could be the board. <laughs> I'm all for it. Like, I just I wish I wish with my 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 deepest Star Wars Star Trekky nerdiness part of me that I I wish that it goes that way. And hopefully, who knows it? Maybe it will. Maybe it will. Well. Um, so on this podcast, we've just formed the Common Sense Enlightenment Party. So Ooh, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I like that. that. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. The CEP, <laughs> as opposed to the CCP. I like yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're 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 definitely the bad guys. It's a little close. Yeah, <laughs> just a little. Mike can play the market to get that. Uh, Bull, you got anything else to add? You got any insights? Some some bull bull wisdom? This is one of those conversations that can go on forever, and especially since we're going to live virtually forever that we could just continue this at any time right yeah but no i i I think that this ed you've mentioned it a couple of times one of the reasons wolf and i decided we wanted to do this kind of thing is number one it gives us a an actual platform a public platform to have the debates we are usually having over a glass of whiskey which is always good 
but it also is gives people the ability to have conversations about this stuff. And the, the greatest thing about these platforms, as bad as they can be from a social media standpoint, that we talk about the negatives all the time, the other side of the coin is it gives individuals like us the opportunity to not just talk about this, but to disseminate the ideas. And that's the only thing that helps us grow. That's the only thing that course corrects us on the way to our either light or dark future, right? We, yeah. we have to have the ability to communicate openly about this stuff. Yeah, good thought. And uh, Wolf and Bull, thank you for, uh, you put a lot of effort to get this out there. And it's, it's appreciated and it's been fun to be involved with it. And I have to second that. Uh, first of all, great to see you, my wonderful friend, Dave Porter. Uh, you know, it just good to see you always, anytime. And again, uh, Wolf and Bull, thank you so much for doing what you're doing. Thank you for inviting me. You know, it's fun just to spend a few hours having a great conversation with some smart people about some cool topics. You know, it's it's kind of one of those things that make life worth living. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Well, uh, Bull, unless you have something else to add, I think I'll go ahead and wrap it up. Cool. Well, that wraps up the episode. Uh, you know, if you happen to like what you saw, like what you heard, go ahead and give us a follow on Instagram. You can also find us on, Inst uh, on, on Instagram, on YouTube by subscribing. We have content that comes out every Thursday auditorially. So on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor.fm, and then every Friday when it comes to YouTube. Uh, you know, before we wrap up, Dave, Ed, uh, if you want to, are there, is there any ways our listeners can support you? Oh, well, um, you know, um, just continue to subscribe to the Wolf and Bull podcast. <laughs> and, and, and absolutely. Look, you know what? I, there's there's no way you could really support me in what I do other than, you know, I encourage everyone to, like I said, this is a great podcast. Watch your podcast. Read books. Read read David Sinclair. Read Ray Kurzweil. Read Pete Diamandis. Uh, read David Brin. Read, there's so many science fiction read neil stevenson and a, yeah. another guy who's uh, no longer with us the late great ian e m banks and his culture novels all those things are phenomenal uh and they're all thought provoking so i would encourage you to uh, read and educate yourself and again gentlemen thank you so much for inviting me of course anytime we'd love to do it again uh but thank you to the audience thanks to the wolf and bull family uh and we can't wait to see you guys next week Thanks for listening to the Wolf and Bull podcast with your host, the Wolf and Bull. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all of the latest from the Wolf and Bull, you can tune in via our weekly episodes available on nearly every major listening platform. You can also follow us on Instagram at the Wolf and Bull. You can follow us on YouTube at the Wolf and Bull podcast and at our website, thewolfandbull.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.